There are microphones around the room, so if you have a question, you can raise your hand. I'm going to remind you again, I'm not going to take questions. I'm not going to take questions about individual medical issues. Let's start with this young lady right over here. There's the microphone. Hi. I would like to know if there's a specific color for the sunglasses. So the question is, is there a specific color for the sunglasses? That's a great question. I usually recommend a dark brown for the sunglasses, a dark brown. Yes, sir. Here comes the microphone. I have one problem. My dry macula is getting worse. And I'm having, uh, gradually getting worse and worse and worse with the visual hallucination problem. Well, I'm going to remind everybody again that I don't want to take questions about individual medical problems, but it raises a good issue, and that is this issue of visual hallucinations. Visual hallucinations are very real. They're named after a Frenchman called Charles Bonnet, and you've all heard of somebody losing a limb, losing an arm or a leg, and having phantom pain in that arm or leg. It's the same thing with your macula or with your eye. If you lose your vision, you tend to see things that aren't there. Some people see beautiful colors. Some people see old friends. Some people see scary things. And there's no correlation with uh, insanity. You're not losing your mind, despite what your family's telling you. Okay, there's a question in the back. You talk about uh, uh, studies in genetic uh, research. What about uh, children of people who have macular degeneration? So that's a great question. The question is, what about the children of people with macular degeneration? Our standing recommendation now is that if your parent has macular degeneration and you turn 50, you should be seen by a retina specialist. That's our standing recommendation. If you, if you, uh, you know, then that, that doesn't mean an optometrist and that doesn't mean a general ophthalmologist. We spend a lot of time telling people that have been told they have macular degeneration, that they don't have it, which is great news. And we spend a lot of time telling people you may have some early signs of aging in your eye. We can't tell yet whether or not you're going to get what mom or grandma has, but it's possible. And that's why the genetic testing is so important, because what we'd like to be able to do, and we're close, is to be able to say, let's take your blood, we'll take the affected family member's blood, and we'll see whether you've got the same issue or a profile that looks like you're at risk for this. We're not there yet. So it's not time to start pitching up at Dr. Hopkins' office and saying, here, take my blood, I want to know if I'm going to get macular degeneration. We're close, and people are actually selling those tests already, so you can find them, but there's no real answer in them yet. They're not validated yet, so, so we're not quite there. How about over here? You did not mention Avastin. I actually, I did mention Avastin, but I was speaking so quietly you might have been sleeping. So Avastin <laughs> and Lucentis are in the same family of drugs for wet macular degeneration, and I think very highly of it. There's a question in the back there. Yep. Thank you. Just for the anecdote, uh, I remember Dr. Strasma uh, doing the uh, strapping of the, of the eye when you had uh, myopic eye. Um, my, I, I have a threefold question. Uh, what about the macular degeneration that's not age-related, usually with high myopia, so the eye is too big for the wallpaper you talked about? Uh, and uh, second, when the uh, vessels are still leaking, I, I've leaked before being treated with whatever laser, 
how do you uh, cure the debris uh, I used to have, for instance? Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. I really, really want to encourage people. Let's, let's, we'll answer the first question and stop. I'm going to encourage people again. I cannot and will not answer questions about individual medical situations. It's not appropriate from the podium, and I will not do it. So to answer your question about myopia, myopia is in that family of macular degenerations that we spoke about earlier, where the eye, instead of being shaped like a cantaloupe, is shaped like a watermelon, and it's on the tissues are on stretch, and they can be lost. Currently, there are some treatments for the complications of myopia, but not for the myopia itself. My prediction is this is going to be an area where genetic intervention and stem cells may play a very nice role. Surgically, we've tried lots of solutions, as we have for macular degeneration and other types of macular degeneration and retinitis pigmentosa and other retinal degenerations. And so far, the surgical answers have not been the best ones. And so what we, we're going to come up to the sister for the next question. The, the, uh, so for the time being, what we're doing for myopic degeneration is working with uh, drugs to try and stop the complications. Thank you. You mentioned diet, but that's all you did. Could you expand on that, having to do with macular? Well, I was hesitating because I don't know what Braille's serving for lunch today. But, <laughs> but your diet, your diet should be rich in green leafy vegetables. Uh, you know, the way the, there, there's uh, one of the best ways to think about it is the colors of your diet, which is sort of an unfortunate way to advise people with low vision, but. The, the colors of your diet are important because you want to have the deep, dark, green, leafy, yellows, blues, reds in your, in, your, in your veggies. You want to do the same thing with fruits. Fish, fish skin, particularly freshwater fish. Uh, and uh, you want to limit your fats if you can. Uh, you're, if you're the type of person who picks the lettuce out of your Big Mac, then you really need to be supplementing. But if you're, if you're the type of person who eats well, then you, maybe you don't need to be. And that's something that you want to go back and forth with your general doctor about. With your, how about the gentleman in the back over there? Oh, good afternoon. Um, I got a letter the other day from USC. They wanted to put a, um, a computer chip in the back of my eye. and Not, not, not my personal thing, but what, what does the computer chip do? Because they want to... Um, well, um, the computer chip at the back of the eye is Dr. Humayun's uh, project, and, and Mark is a very dear friend of mine and a great scientist. And what they are working on is a prosthesis for the retina. And what that means is a, the possibility of somebody who's totally blind having an implant into their eyeball that may allow them to do things like see whether or not the light is on or off or a door is open or not, or if there's a very high contrast on the floor, like a black line down a white floor or a white line down a black floor, allow you to walk and do that uh, without, uh, without uh, uh, problems. That's sort of where it's at now. The future of this implant may be very bright. It may turn out that in 5 or 10 or 20 years that the visual resolution for some patients with that implant could be extraordinary. And uh, but for the time being, it's still being studied. Um, it's only being it's only available to very special certain people who are uh, intelligent enough to comprehend the risks and the potential benefits and the huge commitment necessary to participate uh, in those types of clinical trials. It's a fantastic program. 
It's very, very forward-looking. I support it wholeheartedly, uh, even to the extent that I've gotten permission from UCLA to send patients to Dr. Hamayan uh, for that program. But it's a very rare patient who goes into that program. I think they've put in something like 20 in the world. So it's not for everybody. And it's certainly not for macular degeneration yet. Uh, but perhaps Dr. Hopkins, who I think has also sent some patients, can talk about that uh, um, as we go forward. There's a, there's a question up here in the front. Hi, Dr. Schwartz. My question is, can a person have macular degeneration and retinitis pigmentosa at the same time? Yes, that's a great question. So remember I described to you that the retina is the wallpaper, and the retinitis pigmentosa, as Dr. Hopkins is going to explain to you, is a family of diseases. It's a group of diseases that, it, that includes probably a 1,000 diseases, no exaggeration. And so there are retinitis pigmentosa variants that affect just the macula or just the peripheral retina or both. And both is a bad deal. Uh, but they're there. And what our strategies are in retinitis pigmentosa is, are, are to provide the eye with drugs, proteins, growth factors that st start to, to halt or reduce the progression of retinitis pigmentosa, and in some cases, maybe even start to restore vision. There's a question right back in the middle there. Oh, this yep. Is okay. Okay, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> Actually, I was looking at the lady behind you, but go ahead, and then we'll go to her next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. Um, talking about supplements uh, a couple minutes ago, you'd, you'd mentioned about uh, the A-REDS vitamins only being advantageous for certain categories of macular degeneration. I was just curious what categories they would be. Well, that's a really good question. So the question is what categories of macular degeneration benefit from AREDS supplementation? Those are the specific categories that were studied and shown to have a proven benefit. And that's a certain amount of macular degenerative change at the back of your eye. And that's a decision that your retinologist should make. Because they're vitamins, they're not prescription, the optometrist can give them out. You can get them at the beauty parlor. You can get them at the drugstore. You can, you know, you can get them anywhere. And so people think they're like chicken soup. You know, they couldn't hurt, right? They're just vitamins. Well, that's actually wrong because there are a group of retinal degenerations and macular degenerations where the eye has a fundamental inability to cope with vitamins. So vitamins actually make them worse. So we try really hard to get that across to people that you don't want to supplement because you have eye disease or supplement because your neighbor's aunt's friend in Missouri has macular degeneration and they, they're taking these. So now let's go to the lady just, yeah. Wait, 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 thank you. What I had to ask you answered with that last question, but, uh, a little further in, uh, do you have, as we leave, any uh, leaflets or, or even books at the entrance? I don't, I don't typically bring uh, uh, materials here, but the Braille Institute will provide you with a tremendous amount of, of information. Uh, uh, for that. Let's take one or two more questions. Uh, let's, let's come up to the front over here and then we'll finish up up here. I'm very fortunate to have an expert here 
that really knows his stuff about macular degeneration. I have an article here that the, that the doctor claims in minutes he can remove macular degeneration. I've ever, I wonder if you've ever heard of FSM. I have the article here if you want to look at it. Well, um, the question is, have I ever heard of um, it's FSM, which I think stands for very expensive snake oil. But the, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I don't know what FSM stands for. But the, the, uh, the, the, the issue with macular degeneration and losing your vision is really, really acute for all of you. All of you know the desperation. And all of you know the hopefulness that comes with trying to find something that maybe my doctor doesn't know about yet because there's so much information out there. And maybe I can find something for myself. And what's a couple thousand bucks? I'll fly to Mexico or Turkey or Phoenix or wherever it is and take some magnetic or surgical or, uh, you know, treatment. There used to be a, a, a Russian boat that would float off the coast of Western Europe and park offshore and they would do a little operation on your scalp where they would cure your macular degeneration or retinitis pigmentosa by making an incision in your skin and tying off one of the arteries on your scalp that didn't even go to your eye and um, charge you a lot of money for it. So there are all these poor folks riding around, walking around in Europe with a little scar on their forehead from this operation that they paid a lot of money for. Uh, I would have given them the scar for half price and just told them it wasn't going to work. But the, the point is, the point is that there's a, there are, there's a lot of desperation. The desperation is normal. It's nothing to feel guilty about. It's good to empower yourself by looking for things. But there, as much, wherever there's desperation, there are going to be people who are going to fill that gap. Just like there are people who come around after an earthquake and want to sell you this or sell you that. It's the same group of folks. It's a scandal. It's a scandal. And what you want to do is you want to go to a reliable retinal specialist. We do a great job of educating ourselves. We do a great job of getting information out to patients. If you've got a doctor who you're not connecting with or who you think isn't giving you cutting-edge care, go see Dr. Hopkins. She's great. She'll spend a lot of time with you. She's much nicer than any of us. She's smart. She's pretty. <laughs> she smells good. That's where I would go. Okay. I want to thank the Braille Institute one more time and thank all of you for your attention. Hi. Hi. How, how many of you have heard of California Telephone Access Program? So are we the phone company? No. Are we Braille Institute? Do we sell phones? No, we are a state program and we provide phones at no cost to anybody living in California. They just have to meet three criteria. They have to live here in California, anywhere in California. They have to have a phone line where they live and they have to have difficulty with either vision, hearing, speech, memory, or mobility. Do they need to be legally blind? No, they just have to have a trouble seeing to get to the phone or dialing the phone. Now, I'm in the front here. I've got a bunch of applications, 
and I've got some of the phones. We have over 90 phones in the program, so I don't have all of them. But we have phones with very, very big buttons that have talking keypads, that have Braille on them. We have other phones that are cordless that also have talking keypads, talking caller ID. Anybody who wants to get one of our phones just picks up our application has their doctor or their optometrist for vision can sign off on our application. We do need some verification that the person has a real difficulty so we don't see these being sold on eBay. And uh, once we get it sold, we have offices in Burbank, Santa Ana, Riverside. You can either bring in the application that's been signed by your doctor and pick up your phone, or you can mail the application into us or fax it into us and then very important to call us to get your phone. Now, if you mail it in and you don't ever call us, what's going to happen? Okay. Nothing. You won't get a phone. Now, by the way, do you have to be low income to receive a CTAP phone? No, you could be rich like Donald Trump or poor like me. Do you have to be an adult? No, any age, any income level, you just have to meet the three criteria. Come out to see me. My my table's just straight across from the exit door. I really appreciate your time. And by the way, who pays for the program? We do. We do. So nobody should feel bad about getting a phone if they're eligible because you've really already paid for it. It's on your phone bill tax. You'll see the tax that says California Relay Service Communication Device Funds. That few pennies a month that we all pay in provides special phones. Thank you very much, and I'll see you at my table. <laughs>